Welcome to the Peace of Me podcast. This is your space for all things peace, positivity, and finding balance to live your best life. Life gets busy and at times it's messy. I'm here to help you clean things up and put peace back in its place. I'll share tips, ideas, interviews, mindset shifts, and fresh perspectives to help you along the way. Hi friends, it's Lexi Lee. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're not new, then welcome back and thanks for coming back to the podcast. I'm so glad you'll be joining me for another episode in the Mental Health Awareness Series during this month of May. Now, my guest today opened up about what it's like living with bipolar disorder. It was a very eye-opening conversation. She taught me not to say, I understand, but rather, I'm sorry. She also clears up some of the misconceptions with bipolar disorder, meaning what it is and what it isn't. I appreciated her opening up so that we can learn to not only understand, but also support those living with it. Let's take a listen. My guest today is Shannon. Shannon, welcome to the Peace of Me podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lexi. I'm loving listening to your podcast and I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, we're happy that you're a part of it as well. So before we dive into your story, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself first. All right. I am a, in my upper 30s, I am single with no children. I am career motivated and always looking to um, do better for myself and understand myself more. And I've dealt with some mental health issues. And I know you're talking about that this month. So I thought I'd participate. Well, we definitely appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. Um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're trying to have and share the hard stuff. You know, life is full of hard stuff. And we all experience different things. So we appreciate you being here. So why don't you uh, take us to wherever you're comfortable starting and tell us a little bit about your story. Oh, right. So when I was a teenager, um, at, like most teenage girls, I had big emotions. Um, uh, one thing that was a little different, though, is that I dealt with a lot of depression, I felt like. I went through a lot of very sad periods, um, feeling like there wasn't much hope. Um, and I dealt with it for many years going in, I went to college again, still struggled at times. Um, every few months I'd go through what I called my dark days, but I'd also feel like really good. Sometimes I went to many therapists. I was diagnosed, um, with depression at one point and took depression medication, which didn't seem to help me. Um, so I came off of it, continued to do therapy. I never really felt like I connected with any of my therapists. Um, but in my mid twenties, I had this really great therapist. I felt like she really understood me. Um, and what she did was she ended up diagnosing me with bipolar disorder after a few months of discussions, um, she really got to know the patterns of my emotions, how I dealt with things, what triggered me. Um, and she referred me to a psychiatrist who officially diagnosed me um, and started medicating me. That was about 10 years ago now. So I have been medicated for 10 years and I've also done therapy. Um, when it comes to bipolar disorder, 
it's kind of tricky because a lot of people think that, and I had this misconception as well, is that it is when people are just really happy and the next thing you know, they're like angry and upset and it makes no sense to people and they just think that they can't control their emotions. A piece of that's correct in the sense that you can't control your emotions. Let me tell you, it's frustrating though. It's not, it's very frustrating. Um, However, for me and for most people, bipolar is highs and lows of emotions that are extreme. And it's not necessarily anger that's the low. It's more sad. It's a feeling of helplessness um, and you really struggle to do the normal daily tasks of life. And I'm not just talking, oh, I'm sad, depressed. I'm talking suicidal ideations are things that I've dealt with. A suicidal ideation is not an intent to hurt yourself, but a wish for the end of your life. Um, I think a lot of people have, there's variations of suicidal thoughts and um, I could go in depth about that. Um, But so there's this depression where I personally um, have gone through periods in life where I have not slept for, or have only slept for two, three days. Don't eat, don't shower, can't brush your teeth. Literally, you cannot get out of bed. Um, On the other hand, that's usually accompanied by a mania, which is a high of emotion. So the highs for me are I talk very fast. I just want to be around people. I don't sleep. I don't eat. Um, I feel extreme happiness. And then I also, a part of bipolar can be that people have addictions. So for me, I gamble. And um, it's not like I was gambling every day. But if I was feeling high, I'd go on a gambling spree and I could not control myself and how much I was gambling. Um, Or shopping was another one of my addictions. I'd like to spend money. Money seemed to be my thing or is my thing for um, a reaction to my bipolar and addictions. I think that throughout the years of watching my emotions and paying attention to them, I discovered that there were things that were triggering me to feel very low or very high. And after I'd feel high or low, I'd feel the opposite emotion immediately. And it wasn't like I was just oh, I'm having a bad day, I'm sad, or I'm having a great day, I'm so happy. It was extremes. And it was, if it started with a depression because something triggered it. For example, um, I had a plan that got, it, it could be small things. I had a plan that got canceled. It could send me into a depression for days. And then I'd come out of the depression and I'd say, you know, I have to get my stuff together. And I'd be ready to take over the world the next day. Um, finally, in, like I had said, in my mid-20s, I found a psychologist who referred me to a psychiatrist and I became medicated. Everything changed then. I became medicated. Um, so my emotions were controlled. I was on put on a mood stabilizer, 
which made it so I wasn't having those high highs and those low lows when I was triggered by something. On occasion, they happened still to this day, even though I am medicated and feel good overall. Um, they dealing with bipolar is something I had to accept after I was diagnosed. It took me a little while. I was like, sure, I'll go on the medication. I'll try it. Let's see how it goes. And I was feeling better. But when I would feel, start to feel the feelings come back up that I was having before I was medicated, I was able to literally feel it starting. I, I could feel myself just feeling a little off and recognizing that that off was bigger. It was suggested to me by my psychologist at the time to possibly go to a mental institute's outpatient program. In this out, I, so I decided to do it. I went for three weeks. It was like 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it was group therapies. Um, the group therapies were split up into variations of categories, whether it would be codependency or healing from your emotions, trauma, PTSD, what, whatever these categories, there were various categories and you go to sessions and you talk with other people who are dealing with similar things. And the therapists in those sessions would give you tools to help you learn how to deal with whatever mental illness you were there to learn about. For me, a lot of people were there in crisis, meaning that they were experienced winning in one of their highs or their lows. For me, I wasn't. I was there when I was medicated already. I wanted to understand what I was feeling to better help myself grow and manage myself better when I was going to go through a manic period or a depressed period because they are still inevitable even if you're medicated. So I wanted to understand what I what I was experiencing and learn how to take care of myself better. Um, not only did they do these group therapies and give you tools, but they also taught you how to put yourself, be mindful and to read your emotions and to sit with them. Um, how, if you're having a bad day, how to get yourself out of bed, how to get yourself to brush your teeth and feel like an, an accomplishment and not set you further back and feel, make you feel worse that you couldn't get out of bed and brush your teeth that day. Um, it, it was a truly wonderful experience for me, uh, life-changing, and I, I still deal with being bipolar um, and having these emotions, but I'm in such a better place now that I understand it. And I'm constantly working on the skills that I was taught. Um, one of the biggest things for me was finding a therapist that was good, that I could work with, that understood me, understood how to talk to me, um, understood what type of skills benefited me, and made me really comfortable to talk to and not judged. Um, I've gone through many therapists throughout the years and the therapist that did diagnose me, I ended up changing insurance companies after. So I lost them At, in the last 10 years I've gone through, I went through six therapists until I finally have found the right one.
that therapist is not who I expected it to be. Um, they're very different from the other therapists, but I took a shot in the dark and thought, you know, the type of people I was looking to work with before didn't seem to work for me. So let's try something new. And it worked. Um, however, I do feel that the most important thing about going to therapy and dealing with mental illness is being honest with yourself and accepting your situation. You have to go into therapy with goals to make it effective and you have to be willing to do the work. And even if you can't do the work every day, even if recognizing that you're making an attempt and making the attempt to do better when you can will at the end of the day give you the results that you're looking for. Uh, but you have to be willing to do the work. Wow, Shannon. And I'm listening to everything that you're sharing. And my first thoughts are just thank you so much for being open about your struggles and your journey. Because I think a lot of people either may know someone who maybe has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, or maybe they themselves have. And it's, it's just, that's what this is about is better understanding mental health and just learning as much as we can and making this conversation more comfortable. So let me ask you this. When you were first diagnosed as bipolar, how did it make you feel? Were you surprised? Were you um, relieved to hear that there was kind of a, a term for it? How did it make you feel? I felt definitely felt relieved. Um, I was embarrassed at first a little bit as well. I didn't, I knew there was a lot of misconceptions out there about what it was. I don't know that I even fully understood it at that point. Um, but I was excited that I was going to be over, hopefully moving out of the feelings that I was feeling and resolving this inner turmoil that I was constantly feeling. So relieved is the best way to explain it, I think. Absolutely. Now you mentioned also shopping and you mentioned the addiction with gambling um, were those things that people around you noticed? Did they like, did maybe friends or family say, oh, you know, you're, you're shopping a lot or you're coming home with a lot of things or, um, you know, something like that. Or, uh, was it something that you just, you yourself noticed and you knew something didn't seem right? With the shopping, other people around me definitely noticed and made comments, but I'm not sure that they actually connected the dots, but I know that they did notice that I was doing that. Um, when it came to the gambling, I actually kept it a secret. Um, that is not something that I admitted until I was in the therapy, the intensive outpatient program that I was in, was I even willing to admit to the world I was doing it. Mm. And you mentioned this program, which I think it's so important to talk a little bit more about this. And you mentioned that it was outpatient. So again, you said you would go from maybe 9am to 3pm or whatever their hours might be, but so you're not spending the night that's what outpatient means. So you're, you're able to go home and then return the next day for your sessions. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, you, it was a, on a day, it was a Monday through Friday, I think 9am to 3pm. And you, there was a lunch hour, you had to stay on campus. Um, but you, you did not have to spend the night. It was not for people. It was for people who weren't Hurt, going to hurt themselves or hurt someone else, which is usually the objective of the inpatient. I see. Now, 
when it comes to some of these programs, I, I know a lot of times they can be very costly. Um, do, I mean, does, I mean, we can't say all insurance companies, but if you have insurance and maybe there's some state programs as well, did your insurance in this situation help cover the cost of this program? My insurance actually covered it 100%. I was very lucky. Um, I had a wonderful insurance plan, but it was completely covered. Um, and it, even the doctors, my doctors outside of the program that I dealt with on a regular basis, my therapist, my general practitioner, my psychiatrist, um, and the therapists there worked together on a plan for me. So it was inclusive into my life afterwards as well. Oh, so that the transition was fairly seamless for you, that you could apply everything that you learned in the real life, in the real world. Exactly. I see. Now, with the program, let's say that there's a listener listening to your episode, listening to your journey, and you know, maybe they're, they're wanting to seek help. Uh, now they know there's a possibility that their, their health insurance might cover the cost of the program. Um, but how do they get the time away from work? What do people, is there like a medical leave? How, how are you able to do that? That's exactly what it is. It's a medical leave. You don't need to tell your employer what it is for. Um, but you take a leave of absence and you come, you're, you cannot lose your job because of it, because it's medical leave. Um, it's not as, it sounds scary, but it actually works out really well. Luckily we are protected in that case with our job where if we do need to take a medical leave for something like this, that, uh, we are able to. Absolutely. So we can go get the help that we need and also have our position protected. That's a very nice, very nice thing. Now, what would you say, you mentioned how, uh, you had, a care team to help you with the transition from um, the outpatient program to back to your, your regular routine. What were some of the things or tools that they gave you um, or the things that maybe you learned from going through this program that you then applied to your normal routine? Okay. So I think the most important things are we're having learning that how important a routine was in doing the simple things in life, um, whether it was waking up every morning and brushing your teeth immediately and then making your bed um, and doing things like eating healthy and exercising, um, using your mental stimulation, having good relationships, the importance of all those elements in life. And making sure that when I left, I was comfortable approaching all of them. And the time I spent three weeks there, I was probably on the lower end of most people. Um, however, I made sure that I included all the, in the first few days that you're there, they, they orient you to all these important necessities and taking care of yourself. Um, that seems so easy to most people, but they're really not for people with mental illness sometimes. Um, so the importance of those essentials and making sure they're a part of your routine in your daily life uh, was incredible, the difference it made for me. Um, and making sure that I started that routine before I even left the program. So I was ready to roll. Mm. You know, I hear this a lot. I've shared this in other episodes that there, it's just so much personal accountability people have, you know, when it comes to their own lives, when they want to improve their life, they take on that own resp that responsibility. Like you just mentioned, you started to put things in place so that you were as much as possible set up for success for that transition. 
So I, I do, I hear that a lot. That's, um, that's always a, a takeaway that I get from this. Now, you also mentioned, um, you know, now having this, this uh, diagnosis, what else would you say now that you've, you're back to your quote unquote normal routine? Um, what different areas of life do you notice being bipolar affects? Um, it affects my career in a sense that I have learned to cater my career to my bipolar disorder because I know that some days I'm going to have rough days. Um, and it, it's a part of, I made it my, for myself, I made a career for myself that worked with accepting the fact that some days I was going to have hard days. Um, and how it's viewed by people in the workplace and how people view your moods. You know, you spend the majority of your time at work. These are the people that are seeing you. When you have something like bipolar disorder, it's very hard to mask your emotions. And it's scary to be in front of people and have them seeing it as well. Um, And the other thing is interpersonal relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic relationships. Um, it, it's hard. A person with bipolar disorder, like myself, it, we tend to be very emotional. Um, so it's a lot of energy that's coming out of us. And we, I've had to accept that everyone doesn't always have that energy for me that I have to put out. They can't match it. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating, but as part of my journey and constant therapy, you have to learn to accept things like that. Um, so like anything in life, it affects all areas of your life. But for me, the most difficult places are um, in the workplace and in interpersonal relationships. That makes sense. You know, you brought up a really good point that we spend so much time at our jobs and sometimes we spend more time around our coworkers than we do, you know, family or friends. So they really are seeing that other side to us. Now, if we happen to know someone is diagnosed as bipolar, would you recommend we ask them about that? Or would you say we let them bring up that conversation to us? I think that you'd let that person bring up the conversation to you in most cases. Once they start the conversation with you, feel free to ask questions, I'd say, and make them comfortable. I think it will make someone feel more comfortable for you to ask questions and understand them. It will make them feel good. But I definitely don't think everyone is at a point in their journey with it where they're comfortable talking about it, even if it is no knowledge. So I'd give them the respect to bring it up on their own. Okay. And if we if we do want to show support to somebody um, who does have the diagnosis, is there, other than letting them bring up the conversation first. Is there any other things that somebody who might not have bipolar disorder, is there anything that they can do to really show support to the other person? Uh, I'd really encourage them to talk to a professional, honestly, if they're trying to talk to you about it. So if someone, even if someone with bipolar is trying to talk to you as a friend and you want to want to support them genuinely and give them good advice, the best advice you can give them is to talk to a professional because a professional is really the only person who is going to be able to give them the advice they need based on their diagnosis. I see. And now you mentioned earlier that you were in your, I believe you said late 30s and that you were diagnosed with this about 10 years ago. 
So now looking at where you are, given the, the therapy that you've had, the medication that you're on, what does life look like for you now? Um, much more stable. Um, my mood is even for the most part. Every once in a while, I get a little depressed or a little manic if something triggers me, but I definitely much more controlled than 10 years ago, even three years ago. Yeah, last year, every year, it's I grow more and I understand myself and can control my emotions more. Um, and I hope I continue to be able to. Um, but I think it's something I'll always struggle with. Sure, sure. Now, I guess to kind of conclude our conversation around this, and I, I really can't thank you enough for being so open and, and making this a comfortable conversation so that we can learn from this. Um, what advice might you have for anyone listening who may be bipolar themselves or maybe um, thinks something doesn't feel quite right, uh, or maybe somebody knows someone in their life that has um, this diagnosis? What advice would you like to put out there? Um, I think for someone that has bipolar, um, I think you need to accept and give yourself kindness in that it's something that you can't control and, but you do have to accept it and you have to work and you have to have goals and you have to be cognizant and self-understanding and to be proactive. Um, and I think taking the time to find the right therapist that works for you and not settling just because you need someone to talk to, find someone that can help you, not just someone that you can spill to. And for someone that may not, that may know someone that is struggling with it, the best that I can say for advice would be that they should be compassionate and just try to understand and, and, and never say that they understand, actually. Say, I'm sorry, and um, say that you don't understand, if anything, and and try to give advice. I might not understand completely, but here's what I can tell you. Mm, that is such um, great information to know. So I was actually just making a note of that. So find someone that can help you, not just someone to spill to or just someone to hear you. And, um, and don't say that you understand, but say that you're sorry. Correct. Okay. And then Last but not least, is there anything else that maybe I haven't asked you uh, or anything else you'd like to share with the audience today uh, or any last words of wisdom? Uh, I think that as humans, we should constantly be working on ourselves, whether we have a mental illness or not. Just constantly pay attention to your emotions, be tender to yourself and work on yourself and try and make yourself a better person every day. We can always be better. Even if it's just one little thing, um, it, it really makes the world of a difference. Oh, that's great. That is wonderful. Shannon, honestly, everything you've shared with us today has been uh, very helpful in us better understanding those with a bipolar diagnosis and really appreciate how vulnerable, vulnerable you've been with us today and, and to share this on the Peace of Me podcast. So thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you, Lexi. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I've created this space to help you live your best life. 
If you want to help support the podcast in return, I'd be forever grateful of your support. Please give this show a review on iTunes or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me at peaceofmepodcast.com. That's peaceofmepodcast.com and stay connected.